This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgasuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. All right, now back in making his fifth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Chris Sheehan. Let me remind you a little bit about Chris's background. He's from Warwick, Rhode Island. He attended Trinity College over in Hartford, Connecticut, where he was the captain of the baseball and hockey teams and was an all-region and all-American nominee in both sports. In golf, Chris won the 2003 Western New York PGA Section Assistant Professional Championship and tied for 38th at the TaylorMade Adidas National Assistant Professional Championship that same year. Spent six seasons working alongside three of Golf Digest Top 100 instructors, including Bill and Craig Harmon, plus uh, Todd Stones as well. 2009, Chris was the PGA South Florida Section's Private Club Merchandiser of the Year. He's been a PGA professional since 1999 and worked at clubs like Bighorn Golf Club, Oak Hill Country Club, Inverness, Tuscany Reserve Golf Club, Getaway Golf and Country Club, and Pelican's Nest Golf Club. And like I said in the at the top of the show, he is now the head golf professional at Lebanon Country Club up in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. He's also been the president of the Southwestern Florida chapter of PGA Professionals, and I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. It's great to be with you. So, Chris, catch us up. What's been going on with you so far this year? Well, we've had a we've had a good year so far. It's not raining, <laughs> so um, you know, 2018 was a little bit of a curse for uh, for Pennsylvania and in the area, um, and places like us at Lebanon and you know Hershey Country Club and, and the whole area. We had I think 90 inches of rain that started in early July and went all the way t- to the fall. You know, we 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 were. You know, Dan Brickley, our, our, our maintenance, uh, our superintendent, uh, did a great job just keeping us open. We were playing par fours and par, as par threes and rerouting people from the first tee through the range to the first hole. But, uh, this year has been great. The weather's been nice. Obviously we're in a nice little hot spell right now. So that poses other challenges to the superintendents of the country. Um, but so far so good. Uh, the club's buzzing. You know, we're, we're adding new members. We're getting younger. The junior program is still thriving. Um, we've got our big national better ball coming up. The, the Sullivan is next week. It's a four-day event. We draw players, teams from 10 to 15 states that come up and play a 74-year-old event, uh, a, a four-day better ball event. So everything's cooking right now. Uh, we're glad to have good weather. We're glad to have a sort of a rebound year. And, and uh, we still got a lot of golf left this summer. And Chris, for those who aren't as familiar with Lebanon Country Club, again, it's an Alexander Finley design who many people credit with being the founder of American Golf. Talk about your golf course itself and its history as well. Yeah, the golf course is fantastic. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're celebrating our centennial year next year in 2020. We've been around for a hundred years, but it has been, uh, in, Increasingly, uh, so in, 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 in recent years, it's been sort of the darling of the Pennsylvania State Golf Association as far as hosting big time events. We've, we've had, uh, we had the state senior better ball this year. We've got the ladies, all three ladies championships next year. 
Uh, we had the senior match play two two years ago. It always hosts, uh, you know, an open qualifier. It's just a great golf course that maxes out at 6,400 yards. Um, it, it's raised great players that have played Division One golf and gone on to the PGA Tour, like Greg Lesher and Blaine Peffley and Division One golfers at Vanderbilt, like you know Chris Gebhardt, it, and who's won the last two Sullivans. Uh, it just is one of those places where you have to move the ball right to left off the tee and left to right off the tee. It's got long fours, short short par fours, uh, long threes, short threes, uh, gettable par fives, unreachable par fives, and the greens are tiny. You know, it, they're old push-up greens. Some of them are, are probably 80 years old, and you got to learn how to chip and putt. So it creates a ton of great short game guys. We just finished our club championship last week where the guy who won, rightfully so, he missed one green in the first 18 holes of a 36-hole wow. final and just, uh, yeah, and made some putts. So you obviously have to put it in play, but you gotta, you gotta put it on the greens. You always have chances for birdies when you do hit the greens because they are that small and, uh, you know, they're undulating when they need to be. And they're flat when they need to be. Uh, just very well done. It's it's an amazing piece of property. Um, it's just an amazing place, and it's raised a lot of great golfers. And we're trying to we're trying to uh, you know forge ahead with with the juniors here and 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 create another uh, generation of of not necessarily great great golfers, but just great lovers of the game. And, uh, you know, that's my job as the club professional is just create love affairs with these kids and, and the game and. And then all of a sudden they, they follow in their dad's footsteps and they join. And when they have kids, their kids play and then they join. And, and that's how clubs last a hundred years. You have to have a good steward of the game and a good club pro that, that really stresses, uh, you know, not necessarily being good at it, but just loving it. And, uh, and that's what we're trying to do. So it's, it's a, it's a great place. It's a fantastic place. It's really, it's one of the neatest places in the middle of kind of nowhere. And uh, it's just awesome. And, and the Pennsylvania State Golf Association keeps rewarding us with great events. And we're happy to host. And it's good for good for, for men, for seniors, for ladies. And uh, as our kids are finding out, it's fun to play for them as well. And, Chris, with, with Finley being Scottish, is it a link-style golf course with that kind of terrain, or is it a more traditional American course that we're all used to seeing? No, it's very Parkland. You know, you've got the front nine on one half. It's it's a perfect. It's almost a symmetrical. Um, it's almost a, a symmetrical property where the front half, where the first nine is on one half and the the back nine is on the other half, and each nine actually pitches toward the center of the property for drainage. Um, it it's tree lined. Uh, obviously, you know, Pennsylvania and this area is going through some some tree disease. So you know, we still have thousands of trees, but um it's it's very it's very old school classical uh you know move it left to right everything's tree lined there's nothing linksy about it um but you certainly have plenty of of choices when you're hitting approaches you know there there's not a lot of front green bunkers that you need to carry over you can always hit that little punch shot through the through the gap of the left front bunker and the right front bunker. So it's not a it's not an an air attack sort of golf course. It's something where you have choices, and when you have wedges, you can go at it. And when you when you have longer approaches, you can you can run it through the center of the green. It's got some greens that are on hills that you can play high to. You play low to as well, and uh, it just has a lot of choices, which I think 
you know, architects of his era uh, gave you those choices because of that that European influence, um, which is really fun. And it's one of the reasons why people who say it, we just had the, the state seniors and we had folks from Oakmont and Aronimink and, you know, making their first visit to the, to the facility and said, man, I could play this every day. And it's one of the, it's one of the neat things about the club is that you never get bored. Um, it's tight and it's, and it's tough and the greens are small, but it's not too long. So you have options of, of where you can, let it out or where you can lay back and then you have choices coming into the greens as well. And Chris, you've talked about juniors here. You mentioned juniors a couple of times for, for the people in the central Pennsylvania area, talk about the programs that you offer for junior golfers and uh, adult players as well. Yeah. The juniors has really been, as you and I've talked, you know, uh, it's really been, you know, sort of the highlight of my, of my existence at the club. When I got there, we had, we had eight kids sign up for junior golf in 2017, and last year we saw more. We saw more than 80 kids come through the program. Um, wow! We're just making it fun, you know, and we're creating, uh, you know, a basic approach to the game. Um, it's very young, you know. I, I have a gap of ages, you know. I don't have many of the 10 to 15 year olds. Um, so we run two age groups sort of a 10 and under and an 11 and up and, and it's about 50 kids in the young group and about 20, 20 to 30 in the older group. And, uh, you know, the younger kids were trying to make it fun today. We were sort of lightening out. We were in the ballroom tonight. So we were doing some chipping and pitching in the ballroom. And, um, we, we had a little contest where they had to chip it into my baseball glove. And if they got five in the last 10 minutes, they all got ice cream. And so that was exciting for them. It's not that, uh, you know, rain is a deterrent to having fun. You can do it in your house. You can do it indoors. And that was something that, that I hope that they, they took with them tonight. But the older kids were working on getting them on the golf course. You know, there's, there, there's, there's something about learning how to play, but, uh, learning how to swing and learning how to chip and learning how to putt. But the, mo- the most important thing uh, for me this year with my older kids is, is getting them out on the golf course. And I, I had a, I had a, a lesson the other day with a, with a younger, probably a nine or 10 year old kid. And I said, look, my goal for you at the end of these three weeks is to get you to go up to your dad in the house and say, dad, let's go play golf. And so we focus on, you know, how to play, where to stand, how to fix ball marks, rake bunkers, you know, the the technical stuff will come and they're all growing and their bodies are changing and they'll have a general understanding of what they're supposed to do. Um, But my goal is to create golfers uh, is, is to really, to really stress that you can do this, uh, no matter how good or, or good you are. Um, but go ahead and tell, you know, grab your dad or your mom. Say, hey, mom, let's go play nine. Or, hey, mom, let's go play three. Or, hey, mom, let's go play, uh, you know, let's go play a little scramble. Or, let's go play an alternate shot. And just to get them to the club. And, you know, it's kind of my job as a club professional is to promote the game, but also to promote their activity at the club and, and get them out there as much as, as they can. Um, I've always taken the opinion that, you know, the, the the folks that play two times a week, if I get them there a third time, that's a bonus. And the folks that play three times a week, if I get them there a fourth time, that's a bonus. And um, if it normally, if you allocate four hours for your golf game, but I can say, you know, how about come hit balls for 30 minutes and how about come stay for, a you know, a Coke and, and some and some fries after that promotes the club. And, and I've always tried to, 
to sort of expand upon uh, that with my staff is, you know, let's get them here, but let's get them here one more time a week and let's get them here one more hour every time they come. And, uh, and that's how clubs become successful. So I'm happy to be in that role. Chris, let's switch gears a little bit. And uh, you spent three years out at Oak Hill, one of the most prestigious golf courses that we have in the country. Our good friend here on the show, Sean McKeel, won the 2003 PGA Championship there. We've seen guys like Jack Nicklaus and Lee Trevino, Jason Duffner all win majors out at Oak Hill. So I uh, just wanted to get a couple of a quick thoughts from you about your time there and maybe some of the the great uh, legends or some stories that you heard while you were a part of that golf club. Yeah, I was, you know, for someone who didn't grow up playing golf and uh, getting into the game the way that I did, it was really a, especially, boy, what am I now? I'm probably, I'm almost 16 years uh, gone from Oak Hill, um, which is an amazing thing. I think <laughs> you said I started being a club pro in 1999. I've, I'm trying to think of where 20 years went, but, uh, you know, Oak Hill is just one of those, it's one of those places. It just, um, it, uh, when you set foot on the property, when you pull in the driveway, you just have this feeling that, that it is, it is just, um, it's just a magical place. And, walking around the clubhouse and, and being in the, in, you know, in the, in the golf shop and, and in the, the men's locker room and seeing the plaques and the, the testimonies that, that they have on, on their website and just, uh, how good the golf course was and playing it hundreds of times and just, you know, being, you know, at the point of, of submission because it's just such a fair, hard golf course and learning how to play for me, really. I mean, I was, I was probably, I was only in the golf business for maybe two or three years before I started working there. So that's really where I learned how to play, so to speak. And, you know, the membership, it just being so uh, embracing of the history of the game and the history of major championships. And at the same time, trying to, you know, play 40,000 rounds a year and, and understanding how special of a place it was. And, and, you know, they're going through some changes now with the golf course and, um, you know, the modern, you know, the modern tree cutting and all of that stuff. And I was there briefly for about a day. I think it was last winter. And, and, you know, they've cut a lot of trees down. It's a different appearance. And you saw the senior open there this year. I think it was a senior open. And, you know, it's a different look. Um, but it's still, you know, as Ross designed it, everything's in front of you and you still got to hit the shots. And, um, it's just an amazing place. Uh, you know, privileged to work there. I was privileged to work at Inverness, which is coming up with a, with a championship soon. And, um, it, places like that, it, the one thing that always caught my eye was was just how um, how giving the membership was. I mean, when the when the when the volunteer ballots came out, it was sold out in you know in in a day or two, and they just they embraced the game so hard, and they loved their facility so much. And at the end of the week of a major championship, to to see what they've pulled off you know, that they started planning three years in advance was just, you know, it was, it was honestly, it was awe inspiring that what the, what these folks do and, and what it means to the area, what it means to Rochester golf and what it means to any place that hosts a major where you have a private club that closes their doors to their members for a week or two or three and says, you know what, come see what we have here. We're really proud to have you. And there's no futzing about it. They just, they embrace the players, they embrace the history, they embrace everything. And 
I love that about Oak Hill. You never heard anything about, oh, we got another major coming up. You know, it was just like, you know, we got a major. Let's let's get involved. And I love that. So one of my favorite things about working at places like that is, is just it was never about anything other than this is who we are, and we're going to show you how good we can do this. And I love that about it. Chris, a couple more before I let you go, and, and I want to you know, get a couple of playing lessons for our listeners. And, and I want to sure. start by you know getting your advice for how we can stop the dreaded slice off the tee. If, we, if we're a banana slicer off the tee, what are some things that we can do? What are some drills that we can do to fix that? Well, if you look at slicers generally, um, and you know me, I'm a baseball player, so I tend to equate a lot of things in golf. Uh, which is a contact sport to a lot of things in baseball, which uh, obviously hitting the baseball is a contact sport, but throwing the baseball is also uh, very relative to the golf swing. Most, most slicers of the ball swing high to high. So their, their, their take, their backswing is very vertical. Their left arm sort of comes up and they, you know, sort of bisects their right shoulder and their chin. And the follow through is very vertical. Somehow, some way in the history of time, somebody told somebody to swing to the target. Um, so the, so the follow through is always at the hole rather than around your body. And, uh, if you swing a club that runs vertical to vertical, the ball's going to slice no matter what. It's just the way it is. So if you take a baseball pitcher and you give him a curveball hold and you release it from over your head, the ball's going to break down. But if you give him that same grip on a baseball and release it from the side of your hip, the ball, the ball will, cross, will curve across your body. And so the point of release of the baseball pitcher's curveball, whether it's at 12 o'clock or at 9 o'clock, the ball spins differently. And so golfers need to take that same sort of approach to swinging the golf club. If you release it from 12 o'clock, you're always going to follow through to upwards. So you're always going to swing it. You're always going to slice it. So what I try and get my players to do is to swing more around their waist. And a lower swing plane that follows through at a lower swing plane will completely reverse the spin of a slice. And so if you think about uh, taking the club back sort of high versus taking the club back around your waist, you're going to be given the incentive to release it around your waist or you're going to be given the incentive to release it at the target because no one who swings it back vertically wants to swing to the left. But the golf club, for since the history of time, is manufactured on an angle, which tells you it should go in a circle. And most slicers defy that science and swing it vertically up and vertically up on the, up on the backswing and the follow-through. And they're going to get a slice no matter what they do. I mean, you can give someone a stronger grip, but if they still swing it vertically, instead of them slicing it, they'll hit low hooks. And so when when I work with students, what I try and work on is the shape of the swing, not necessarily the grip or, you know, pulling the right foot back or trying to get a ham sandwich grip so that the club releases. I, I, I'm really a proponent of a very neutral grip, but just changing where the club comes from, which will dictate where the club goes to. And if you swing it high, you'll finish high. If you swing it low, you'll finish low. And I think when you do those two things, you'll see a drastic reversal of spin of the golf ball. And so someone with an average swing with a, with a, a very good setup, a very good aim, and very good alignment, and very good posture, and very good ball position, you take all those pre-shot things out of the way, uh, you can hit any curve of the ball based on where you where it comes from. And I always equate that to a baseball pitcher and his variety of cutters and sliders and 12 to 6 curveballs. Where it comes from dictates where it will finish, and that dictates where the ball will spin. Chris, one more before I let you go. And um, when you're when you're teaching your, whether it's your junior or your adult students, 
One of the things that uh, my buddies and I struggle with is reading putts. We either overread or underread putts. And uh, so oftentimes we'll talk about how, well, I can't believe it broke that far. I can't believe it broke that way. When you're teaching your students how to read greens, what are some fundamentals that can help us be better readers of the green? Well, uh, that's a great question. It's a really hard question, uh, only because most players, for me in particular, I'm a very soft speed putter, so I tend to play more break. If you're someone who tends to hit it firmer, you have to understand that you know uh, there's less break, and in any putt, there's always more break when the when the putt is slowing down. So uh, I tend to die, try and die my putts in into the hole. So I'm, I play more break. Uh, I have an assistant who's a phenomenal player who, uh, who plays everything so firm that w- we were at the state, uh, pro assistant in New Jersey last week and we're on the third hole and he's like, I like this. And I said, I am so far outside that it's unbelievable. <laughs> and so it's just a totally different thing. You're playing a team event. We've never played a team event before. And, you know, he's looking at, at, at a cup and I'm looking at a foot. And so you have to understand what kind of putter you are, first of all. If you're an aggressive type putter who, who tends to hit firmer and, and if you miss, you got three or four feet. I don't ever want to see a three or four footer for the rest of my life. So I'm looking at <laughs> six inches. Whether I make or miss, I don't care. Um, but so that, that's the first determination of how much break you should play is find out what kind of putter you are. Are you a defensive putter like me? Or you're an aggressive putter like the 30-year-old assistant I have who never misses. And you just say, you know what, this is who I'm going to be. But, you know, the old adage is, you know, stand on top of the hole and pour a bucket of water. And where does the water fall? And how fast would that water fall in that direction? You know, it sort of tells you uh, the general break of the green. Uh, he's into the new sort of putting uh, reading where he, he goes halfway through uh, up his putt and he puts, you know, he, he side saddles the, the putt and he's trying to figure out the break. I'm just, a, uh, where's this water going and how, how close can I get this to dying in the hole? So, you know, first and foremost, find out what kind of putter you are. Everybody's different. Um, you know, if you're nervous out there, if you're aggressive out there, uh, it's going to change. But if you tend to have your pace of your putt on the slower side, play more. And if you tend to have the pace of your putt on the, Faster side, certainly play less. Chris, I can't let you go without getting uh, your pick for the Open Championship this week. Who do you like? Who do you think is at the top of the leaderboard come Sunday? Woo, that's a good question. You know, British Opens are, are diff- you know, are difficult. Um, other than Ben Curtis in 03, you know, it, it seems to be everybody with experience, whether it's a lot of tour experience, a lot of years of experience, or a lot of European-style play experience wins these things. Um you know, uh, oh boy, I, you know, you just saw Nicholson this week said he's not even close. Haven't heard a lot from Molinari this week. Spieth is on the mend. Um, you know, you look at the last four or five Molinari, Spieth, uh, Stenson, Johnson, McElroy. Um, it's cool to see Darren Clark hitting the first tee shot in his hometown. You got some hot players, Bern Wiesberger, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Cantley's a can't miss kid. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to take Rory. All right. Got a lot of pressure being in it, essentially his hometown. So it'd be interesting to see how yeah. he deals with that. But he would certainly be a popular win. Yes, Chris, remind would. our listeners how they can follow you both online and on social media. Well, I'm on Twitter at lebccpro.lebccpro. Uh, and um, you follow me on Facebook, Christian Sheehan. 
And the Country Coats website is lebcc.com. And uh, we got a new website rolling out this year, kind of working through that as, as we go through the summer. Um, but uh, you can find me anywhere. Central Pennsylvania is a great place to be. It's a great golfing uh, area, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be at Lebanon Country Club, and pleasure to grow the game the best I can. Chris, it's always a good time having you as part of the show. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and join me again tonight. I hope you'll come back and join me again real soon, my friend. It's always a pleasure having you here. Uh, you know me. I, I will always say yes to you, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say, and uh, you know, you are awesome at what you do, and everybody who you talk to and every all of your guests say the same thing. You're just uh, so prepared and and so great at it, and, and me as a golf professional appreciate everything you do to, to help us grow this game and the game you love and, and I love, and uh, I'm so thankful uh, to have this opportunity to talk to you. Uh, I appreciate that very, very much, Chris. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, Chris. You bet. Take care, Chris. That's Chris Sheehan, and S-H-E-E-H-A-N is uh, the spelling of his last name. Again, he's up at Lebanon Country Club in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, doing a great job there, growing the game. You heard it, right? Junior program only had a handful of kids, and now he's got, you know, 50 or 60 of them as a part of that. So uh, he's doing such a fantastic job up there, growing our game and being a part of that country club. And again, historic country club, you heard him. It's going to be uh, celebrating their uh, centennial anniversary next year. So really looking forward to having uh, Chris as we run up to that for next year. And what a wonderful golf club it looks like. Take a look at it online. Certainly look forward to having Chris back on the show again real soon.